This is Bigger Questions with your host, Robert Martin. Welcome to Bigger Questions, recorded live in the city of Melbourne. Today's show comes from Belgrave Heights Convention in the east of Melbourne. Today's big question, why bother with Jesus? Now, we're asking this question today to two people. My first guest is Dr. Murray Capel. Murray works with the Reformed Theological College in the heart of Melbourne. He's previously worked as a pastor and is an author and a popular speaker. And he joins me now. Please welcome Murray Capel. Thank you, Rob. It's good to be with you. And my second guest is Mike Rater. Mike is director of the Centre for Biblical Preaching based in Melbourne. He's also an in-demand speaker across Australia and around the world. And he joins me now, Mike. Welcome to Bigger Questions. Big round of applause. Now, Mike and Murray, to kick off Bigger Questions, we like to ask a couple of smaller questions just to get us thinking. Now, we're talking today with Murray Capel and Mike Rater about why we should bother with Jesus. So in today's smaller questions, I thought we'd test you on how much you know about the impact of Jesus in history. Okay, there's two questions. These are never fair. Both multiple choice. Um, Mike, you're uh, expressing disappointment. that this I've is been the... with you before, Rob. <laughs> this, <laughs> this is all about humiliating the guest. I know how you do it. Okay. <laughs> we'll see how we go. There's two questions, both multiple choice. Question one. In 2014, two data analysts developed a computational data-centric analysis for The Guardian newspaper to understand and interpret the past and determine who was the most significant historical figure. Now, after conducting their analysis, which historical figure did they deem as most significant? Was it A, Justin Bieber? Was it B, Julius Caesar? C, Napoleon? Or D, Jesus? Start with you, Murray. Poor. I don't know what uh, statistical analysis says, but I'm going to go for D. I'm going for Jesus. You're going to go with Jesus? Okay, what about you, Murray? Well, I can't do the same as him. Well, you could if you want to get it right. So, um, yeah, so I'm, 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 I'll, I'll go for that little guy with his hand in his thing. I'll go for Napoleon Bonaparte. Well, well done. But you actually did get it wrong, unfortunately, because the answer actually is D. It's Jesus. Napoleon was number two. Julius Caesar was number 15. And Justin Bieber was 8,633. Um, so do you think that 8,633 is a bit rough on Justin Bieber? I've heard his music. I think it's more than generous. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, question two. Question two. In 1966, John Lennon, one of the members of the famous band The Beatles, made a comparative comment about the relative impact of Jesus compared to The Beatles. What exactly did John Lennon say? Was it A, we're bigger than Jesus now, B, we're better than Jesus now, C, we're more popular than Jesus now, or D, we have better dress sense than Jesus <laughs> now. now. I know this one. Okay, Mark, what are you going to say? I think he said we are more popular than Jesus. C, you went for C. What are you going to go for, Murray? I'm stuck with the same thing. I really don't like following Mike, but I think that is the right one. <laughs> well, it is the right one. You know Jesus, you passed. Both of you got one or two of our smaller questions right. <laughs> Big round of applause. <laughs> <laughs> Now, the full quote of John Lennon was, Christianity will go, it will vanish and shrink. I needn't argue about that. I'm right and I'll be proved right. We're more popular than Jesus now. I don't know which will go first, rock and roll or Christianity. Jesus was all right, but his disciples were thick and ordinary. It's them twisting it that ruins it for me. Now, there's lots that we could potentially reflect on in that quote, but why do you think that Lennon made the comparison with Jesus and not, say, with Julius Caesar or Napoleon or William Shakespeare? Murray? Mm. 
no one else has been so influential. Yeah. Um, well, your, your earlier stats actually said that, eh? That's and, great, yeah. Uh, the, you know, the influence, data analysis proves it. If you want to compare yourself with someone who has had massive world-shaping influence and is head of the world's largest religion, if you want to compare yourself with someone who's absolutely up there, you compare yourself with, with Jesus, not with Napoleon or someone else. Yeah, do you agree? Well, that just, I mean, that's all true, but also I think that he was in the UK, which was a nominally Christian country, and the Beatles had received a fair bit of negative press from Christians or for being, for, you know, inciting people to worldliness and ruining our young people through rock and roll. So I think people saw the Beatles as opposed to Jesus. And uh, so I think you want to have a strike back at that. Hmm. Yeah, well, I mean, Lennon was clearly right because he and modern music stars are more popular than Jesus. And he said in a subsequent interview, he said, we mean more to kids than Jesus did. He said he wasn't looking at knocking it or putting it down. He was just stating a fact. And, and I suppose he's right, isn't he? I mean, isn't our modern music or film stars more meaningful to people today than a 2,000-year-old religious figure? Right? Well, they're a fad, aren't they? I mean, the Beatles are a pretty long fad, but they're a fad. They come and go. And when they have their moment in the sun, I guess they briefly, briefly they might be, uh, but their moment in the sun is just a moment in the sun. They're soon gone and forgotten. And 2,000 years later, Jesus is far from gone and forgotten. In fact, his church is growing. And his influence is growing, I think. So, yeah, it's just you can't compare a momentary fad to a, a long-lasting faith that's influenced millions. But to many people, this, long, this, this fad, so to speak, still is more meaningful than, to them, than, a, than a figure like Jesus. So does that mean that Jesus is irrelevant today, Murray? Uh, there's a big difference between being popular and being irrelevant. Um, I think maybe Jesus isn't very popular and increasingly the gospel message is very unpopular in our culture. That doesn't in any way mean Jesus is irrelevant. Mm. Um, in fact, I think he's more, you know, it's more obviously relevant to our needs now than perhaps he's ever been. So how so? What, what makes Jesus so impactful and so relevant then? Uh, well, we have to think about, about what Jesus said. Uh, you know, his message is so radical. He didn't um, come and offer one more option, put one more thing on the table for us to think about, another religious option to choose from. He made these really exclusive claims. Um, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. You know, there's no other name by which you can be saved. So he's making these, these unbelievably decisive claims about who he is and what he's come to do, and he does that because he claims to be God and man, which is utterly unique. Um, and so because of the uniqueness of who he is and what he claims to be, he is an incredibly divisive person. Uh, people love him or hate him. People follow him or reject him. That was, that was the way right from the start. He is, is a divisive person, never trying to be popular, but speaking into our hearts and claiming that he is the way to God. He's the way to deal with our deepest needs and problems. Mm. Mike, do you agree? I read a book some years ago by a French atheist philosopher called Luc Ferry on a brief history of philosophy. It's a look at all the great movements in philosophy. And he says that every philosophical thought can be reduced to questions, in his words, about salvation. And he, said, he quoted one philosopher, who said, a Greek philosopher, who said that every question ever asked by a philosopher has to do with one issue at its heart, and that is death. We're all going to die soon. What's that mean for your life now and for life beyond that? 
If he's right, and I think he is, death is the big issue that haunts us all and hangs over us all. The, the issue that cries out for an answer is the issue that we're going to die, so what? And I only know one man who gives the absolute answer to that question, that death is not the end. He's conquered death, overcome death. Death is now the gateway to eternal life. And if you believe that, that doesn't just affect your future, it affects how you live now. So every serious thought given to these big questions by thinkers finds its answer in Jesus Christ and, and, and no one else. And that issue won't go, that's not a fad. That's been the issue from the dawn of time and will always be the issue. Death is the great reality. How do we respond to that? And there's only one final answer and that's the one that Jesus gives in conquering death. Questions is coming from our text line from our live audience here tonight. Um, how can we know Jesus is the Messiah and not just a madman or a morally good person, Mike? It's like you, you meet someone who's, who's an eyewitness to things, who says, I, I saw this happen. And some people just have about them the ring of truth. You say, I, I think this person is believable. So my advice is, well, we have four main accounts in the Bible of people who walked with him, talked with him, knew him intimately, saw everything, read them, and see if what they say has the ring of truth and where this man comes through to you as a madman. Does he, does he strike you as a lunatic, as crazy, as deluded, as a megalomaniac? Just, just I, make up your own mind. And I think if you meet the Christ in the Scriptures, uh, I think you'll be profoundly impressed by him. And he, you'll see he's, he's not mad. He's mm. not a liar. He's a man who speaks of truth. And the men who are writing about him are men who speak convincingly and with integrity. So if you're searching to find whether it's the truth, read the Bible, read the Gospels, meet Jesus there and make up your own mind. Mm. Now, Murray, but Jesus is a bit different to other historical figures which we talked about before, you know, Napoleon or maybe even Justin Bieber, but because he's not just an historical figure, isn't he? Is that right? In terms of why he's influential? Well, the Bible declares that Jesus is the Son of God. Mm. He's a historical figure. He's a real person who walked the earth and did stuff, and there's a, a very strong and clear historical record of his life. But he's far more than just a person. Because mm. he also impacts people personally, I suppose, doesn't he? Um, and maybe, could you, maybe you want to unpack a bit about how Jesus has become important to you. Maybe you want to tell us your story, Mary, about how you thought that Jesus was more than just an historical figure. Yeah, sure. Um, I had the privilege of growing up uh, in a Christian family. And so I was taught about Jesus from before I have a conscious memory, mm -hmm. uh, right, right from the earliest days of my life. Uh, and there was actually never a time when I didn't believe those stories and didn't believe what the Bible said about Jesus. But in those earliest years of my life, I think I, just as a person, was compliant and good and liked to try and be nice and do the right thing. And early on, as, as, a, as a boy, I think Christianity was just about being nice and being good and not getting caught. Uh, and mostly that worked out pretty well. You're, but, a pretty, you're a pretty nice guy, were you? Well, I don't know if I was nice, but I like to be good. Right. I'm, I'm the compliant yeah. kind. I wasn't overtly naughty. If I could, I'd like to be naughty, but I would keep it very much under the, under the covers. Okay. Uh, Noted. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so what happened in time was although I, I knew about Jesus, knew the Bible, it was really in my teenage years through a whole series of things that God did, speakers, events, experiences, that this Jesus who I'd grown up knowing about and believed in uh, 
became, like you say, someone who I began to know personally. Mm. And he became this person who wasn't just a religious concept or someone who I had to obey to be good, um, but someone who was my saviour, mm. someone who became my friend, uh, someone who was worth centering my whole life and my dreams on. So what was it about Jesus then that made you think, actually, yeah, he's for me, I'm happy to be his friend, I'd like to be his friend? I think it started with an awareness that I was a sinner, um, that all was not right in my heart, even though I liked to try and be good and polite and nice. Um, and when you recognise that your life is, is not okay and that you're not right before God, then the news of the gospel is absolutely magnificent. It's not about trying to be nice and trying to be good and trying to keep people happy, parents or teachers or friends or whoever it is. There's just this wonderful news that Christ has lived for us. His righteousness is reckoned to our account. My sin is reckoned to his. And I think that realisation of what the gospel is really about, how good that good news is, um, then you start to see Jesus as, as this person who's wonderful and precious and important mm. and who you want to follow want to get to know. Mm. What about you, Mike? What made uh, Jesus important to you? Well, my, my background is different from Murray's. Um, uh, my family wasn't Christian, uh, but I was sent to Sunday school and youth group, that kind of thing. And over the years, my understanding grew, but I think I knew about Jesus, not I knew him. Now, I mean by that, Jesus, like we, has a spirit. And when you come to Christ, or he comes to you, the Spirit of Christ comes to you and begins to dwell in you. And at that point, the person you read about in a book becomes a living presence. And you know him. And you can say, I love him. I want to follow him. Uh, Paul writes in one of his letters, St. Paul, that when we receive the Spirit, we just cry out instinctively, Abba, Father. We just know, we just know that God's our He's not just the God out there who made everything. He, he's my Father, and I just know that by the Spirit. Mm. And I know by the Spirit that Christ is a, a real living person. He died, he rose again, he's alive now. So I speak about Christ not as a historical figure I've come to believe in, though that is true, but a living person who walks with me metaphorically by his Spirit, and I spend my time with him. I trust him. He speaks to me through his Word. And I grow in my affection for him and I want to please him. Like, mm. a bit like my wife. You know, I, I love my wife, I want to please her. I, I, the longer I'm with her, the, the more I know her. And, and, and Jesus is like that, though he's, of course, invisible and he's right now in heaven with his father. But he's a real person. When you meet Christ, you meet a person who loves you and you'll come to love him. Mm. So this makes him different, perhaps, from other historical figures like Napoleon or William Shakespeare. Every, every other person, yeah. Yeah. Another question has come in from our text line from the, our live audience. Speaking more about the difference that Jesus perhaps has made in your life, what has been the hardest thing you've had to give up for the sake of Christ? Murray. Me. Um, I think in a way that's right at the heart of what the gospel is all about and maybe at the heart of why the gospel's so unpopular. Um, my natural default setting, I think our human natural default setting is to love ourselves, serve ourselves, please ourselves, make our own plans, be our own person, uh, create our own identity. And Jesus asks us to take up our cross, uh, deny ourselves and follow him. And so 
um, putting myself to death, uh, choosing to die, to uh, me calling my own shots. But how can that be good news, though, if you have to give up things that you enjoy? Well, it depends how you see yourself. But if you, if you know yourself as I know myself, what sort of ruler and king do I want in my life? I've come to know myself as a person um, who's selfish and greedy and um, hypocritical and can be a bit devious. There's a whole lot inside my heart that doesn't make me the best centre of my life. Mm. And if I compare me with Jesus, there's no comparison. There's a person, a, a wonderful person, who's loving and gentle and kind and pure and holy and gracious and gave his life for people like me. It's actually a brilliant trade to die to self and live to Christ. Mm. But it's counterintuitive. Mm -hmm. How about you, Mike? What's the hardest thing you've had to give uh, up? I, I use a diff I, the same thing as Murray, but I use a different word. You had to give up Murray. Murray. <laughs> <laughs> Sin, which is what you were saying. The, yep. the hardest thing for me was to, was to give up my sin. The fact that I want to get back at people who hurt me. I want to keep what I have, not give it away. I want to be greedy. I enjoy my pride. I want to indulge my lusts and passions. And so much more. And uh, to give them up was hard. But then your next question, why is it a good thing? I said, well, I think my wife, what kind of husband would she want to live with? Someone who's greedy, angry, selfish, lustful, blah, blah, blah. Of course not. She wants to live with a husband who's kind and gentle and gracious and pure and faithful. All these things. I guess also what happens, while I come to love Jesus, I come to love the things he loves. and hate the things that he hates. So things I once found hard to give up are things, while there's still a battle, I want to give up and delight to give up because I've come to hate them and I just know they're not good for me or anybody else. Yeah, that's, I guess that's what's called repentance and transformation. And that's what Jesus does. He changes us. Now, one of the most popular and perhaps well-known passages of Scripture is found in the Gospel of John, which is one of the four biographies of Jesus' life that we have. In John 3.16, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Now, Murray, it does seem like a very popular and well-known verse. It's been made into T-shirts and to signs at sporting events. What do you think makes it so popular? It's popular because it's the gospel in a nutshell. Um, if, if you want to nail what's the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ all about, that verse really takes us through it all. Mm -hmm. The gospel is news of God's love. Um, it's, it's not... Primarily the news that God is going to judge and God's angry with you and God God's wants to destroy you is the, the news that God has this incredible self-giving love for people who were his enemies and turned their back on him. And that love is thrown, thrown through his son. Jesus is the evidence of his love. And simply through faith in Jesus, there is this enormous change of our destiny. Instead of ultimately coming under the judgment of God, we enter into eternal life with God. So there in one verse, you've got the heart of the gospel. Yeah. You agree, Mike? It's... And with every word. So then, Mike, what, what word do you find most challenging in that verse? Well, I guess in one, in one sense, the word is loved. <laughs> we tend to think of love as something that you give to those who deserve it. He, he's earned my love. She's earned my love. 
but I didn't earn his love. In fact, to the contrary, I earned what, in one sense, is not in the verse, but the threat there of destruction, wrath, anger, rejection. That's what I deserved. That's what I earned. But the most remarkable thing is this God, who is not like me, but holy, and, and actually hates sin far, far more than I, I, I ever could, has chosen to love me and love me in, in this way that he became a person, he became a son and died for me. That's the challenging word. And, to, and I think some people can't believe that. I meet people who feel, I, I, I feel I'm worthy to go to church. I met a guy. He said to me, I don't go to church. I feel I'm worthy to go to church. I, I, I feel I'm worthy of God's love. And the answer is, well, yes, you are. Of course you are. And more so than you think. Mm. But actually the amazing thing is, despite your unworthiness, he loves you and wants to know you and gave his son for you. That's the, that's the, the word that kind of stands out. How about you, Murray? Do you have a, a word that is challenging to you? I guess a confronting word in there is the word perish. And that is where Jesus is confronting because for those who believe in him, it's incredibly good news. And for those who don't, it's incredibly bad news. And the thought of perishing, the thought of not having eternal life is incredibly sobering. Another question's come in from our text line from our live audience. What do you have to do to accept Jesus into your life? Well, in one sense, it's very simple. It's, um, it's to trust him. That is, trust that what this man said about himself is true. And he said, I'm going to die on the cross to take your sins away and bring you back to my father. And to believe, well, we know he, he, we know he died, but to believe that the cross did that. They died on the cross to make it possible for me to come, come back to God and live with him forever. So it, as Murray said earlier, it is that, that's what faith is, just trusting this man that his words and what he's done can be relied upon and I trust him. I give my life to him and trust my eternity into his hands. And then, of course, in response to that, because he's loved us, we, we, we love in return. But the key thing is just to put our trust in, in what he's done for us, particularly on the cross and in conquering death for us. Mm. Murray, but isn't eternal life just a bit too good to be true? <laughs> uh, well, it, it does sound too good to be true, but it's true. And I think it's, it's just the, the wonderful story of the Bible that God made us for himself. He made us to delight himself. He placed us in a world that was originally unbelievably beautiful. And yet sin has wrecked and distorted that. We've screwed up our relationships. We've made a fair mess of the planet but the message of, of the Bible is that God is in the business of restoration. And he starts with many of us restoring our hearts, restoring our lives, restoring our relationships, restoring us to some sense of justice and love and peace and truth. But ultimately, he's going to restore the whole world. And I think it's just the most wonderful hope that completely changes how you live, that this life is not all there is. God is going to restore this world to what it was originally intended to be and more. Mm. No, I think we believe in it. Remember Philip Hughes, the cricketer died some years ago? Mm. Uh, Dave Warner, the opening batsman, still I think it's true when he scores a century, he lists his bat to Philip Hughes, who's in that great big bat increase in the sky. And I think when people die, they say, oh, they've, oh, she's now back with Harry or they're back with their kids. I, I, most people have this sense, don't they? That death is not the end, that there's something beyond there and, and they'll be a part of it. 
So no, I think we fully expect eternity. And we have done since the dawn of time in every faith, the, the religion, there are rituals for those who've passed on to the next life. Now, I think we are wired for eternity. Mm. So I don't think we think it's too good to be true. Mm. Uh, it's, it's going to be better than we think and it won't be the open door to everyone that people think it will be. Mm. But no, we are wired to believe in it. We, we are yeah, wired for that. So, Mario, you just talked about the, the difference perhaps that Jesus can make in our lives, giving us hope and a future and so on. So what difference has he made for you? I'm at a point, I guess, where I can say I almost can't imagine life without Jesus. Having been a follower of the Lord Jesus for I don't know how many years, 40 or so since I was a teenager, I find my complete identity and orientation my values, my hope, my security, my joy, my delight um, in Jesus. I keep getting derailed from that and looking elsewhere. And as soon as I do that, I usually come unstuck or lose joy or lose focus. And so I come back to this faith in the Lord Jesus. He, um, I think, becomes so central in your life that not to have him becomes almost inconceivable. Mm. I mean, three things come to mind for me. I think to go through life without guilt, I, I can't imagine waking up every day, as many do, with guilt for the past, things you've done in the past which still haunt you. And to know that someone has come along and wiped that slate clean, I walk every day with, with a clean conscience. I, that's just fantastic. That's changed me. As Murray mentioned, hope, just to know... I know where I'm going. Death is not the end. I'm not overcome by the fear of death. I don't want to die. It's how I die. I'm a bit worried about but that I'll go to be with Christ and have that hope is fantastic. And that my life has a purpose. It's not just meaningless. I, I've got a, a work to do which can please God and be a help to others. My life has such meaning and purpose. So it's, yes, it's, they're the three things that come to my mind. Freedom from guilt and sin. A life with meaning and a certain hope for the hereafter. Mm. So Murray and Mike, why bother with Jesus? Mike. Because it's appointed for a person to die once and then comes the judgment. And one man and one man only came and lived amongst us and loved us so much that he bore in his body on the cross the consequences of that judgment that we might escape it and live with our God and our Father forever. Murray? Yeah. There is no more fundamental need we have than to have the sin of our hearts dealt with. It is, our sin is against God and will incur his judgment. And Jesus is the, the one person God himself provided to deal with that sin. There is no other name under heaven given to man by which they can be saved. Well, let me leave you with some of the Bible's answer to this big question, why bother with Jesus? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. I look forward to you joining us next time for Bigger Questions. Please thank our guests today, Dr. Murray Capel and Mike Rater. Enjoy Bigger Questions? You can help us keep asking them for as little as $1 a podcast. Support the show. Go to patreon.com slash biggerquestions.